Now, it's time to put it all on the table through mediation. Your host, Teresa E. Keeves, is a professional mediator, here to educate, inform, enlighten, and inspire everyone about the great benefits in the process of professional mediation to resolve conflicts, disagreements, and disputes relating to business or personal matters. Now, here's your host, Teresa E. Keeves. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, everyone. This is Teresa E. Keyes, your host for Put It All on the Table Through Mediation, broadcasting on the GreatTalkZone.com internet radio. You know, I appreciate you all tuning into my show. As you know, I miss talking to you about matters that I think, and hopefully you do as well, that they are important, educational, and that they will enlighten you. And I also want you guys to, I want to remind you to, um, you know, I, I do try to remind people of this, that you can get your, um, you could get your, your talkzone dot, you know, talkzone.com, um, app so that no matter where you are, you can listen, tune in and listen to, um, my radio, uh, station live. And you also, and you also can, um, um, you know, listen to others, um, that, that you haven't, you know, other programs that you haven't heard and or you can listen to, um, you know, listen to it at a later time because it, they are recorded. So how are you all doing out there? You know, I hear you all loud and clear that you are all doing just fine. I am doing just fine myself as I, you know, totally enjoy talking with you. And by the way, should any of you have questions, you can call in at 1-888-GO-FOR-IT. That's 1-888-GO-FOR-IT. And my guest and I would love to hear any questions you may have or listen to your comments. All right. So now we got that out of the way. Okay. So now my question is, so what have you guys been doing? You know that it, how about how fast the time is going? I have to talk about that. Now we're looking at Labor Day already. The next thing you know, it'll be Thanksgiving. It'll be Christmas. And then 2016, it's a wrap. You know, it's, it's over. Oh my God. Okay. My show's title today, uh, is hot topics in the world of professional mediation and our, um, political arena, and there is a lot to be discussed, and I'm sure you all know that. My guest for today is Brian W. Keyes. He is a global technology and implement, implementation expert in the world of computers. Okay, now let's talk a little bit about the temps here. Um, we are finally seeing some cooler temperatures here in the valley. Yay! Like what, Teresa, you say? Well, for example... Today high is going to be about a hundred. Now you guys say, really? That's cooler. Yes. And that's like, you know, this summer we were peaking at 25 degrees more than that. So of course it's cooler in other parts of the state. Like, um, a couple of days ago, um, uh, the, in Flagstaff, you know, in the morning it was 48 degrees. That's freezing for me and a lot of other people who reside here. Um, in the valley. And then, uh, for some of you listening to me, that 48 degrees is like, that's a nice temperature. That's great. And, you know, I just say to each his own, but to me, it's cold. So you all out there 
fall is approaching fast, as I was saying that this year is going by fast. Now, the next thing you know, the leaves will be changing, you know, along with the weather, which I think that's so beautiful um, in the fall. Here in the valley, our leaves don't change colors. We have to actually go up to what's called like the high country to see all of that beauty going on. And, well, the temperature has been changing so much, it's hard to tell the seasons anymore. Did you all see that report about the snow like hail that fell in Colorado this week? So, you know, the Gazette, that's, a you know, uh, a newspaper that's uh, online there for Colorado. Uh, they reported on Tuesday that knee-high water, stranded cars, road closures, water rescues, and thick hail like snow were just some of the byproducts of a powerful storm that hammered Colorado Springs and other parts of El Paso County on Monday afternoon. Wow. The highest rainfall, it reported, between Sunday and Monday evening was found four miles northwest of Peterson Air Force Base. I'm sure you guys who live out there know exactly where that is. According to Eric Peterson, a meteorologist with the National Weather Service in Pueblo. Well, he said that it amounted to 4.11 inches, 2.56 of which fell Monday afternoon. I know a lot of you all have seen, you know, these reports. Maybe some of you haven't, but the hail as they were cleaning it up looked like snow. And that was what was so amazing. That's why some reports said it was, you know, snow like hail. And the people in Louisiana well, my heart just goes out to them. You know, their people in and around uh, New Orleans area are still battling with the floods uh, that ravaged their cities as the water is not recessing that fast. They were reporting yesterday and something like 60,000 homes were just were either destroyed or badly damaged you all. And unfortunately, you know, a huge number of these people who um, inquired about flood insurance. Remember, I think we talked about that a little bit on um, my shows a couple of um, couple of shows ago. They were told that they did not need flood insurance as they were not in flood areas as it was being reported. Well, the problem of floods happening, guys, you know, perhaps years ago, well, these areas were not deemed to be uh, flood areas at that time. But... As the world's climate is constantly changing, I think people should take note, you know, the insurance, you know, uh, the insurance uh, companies of the world need to take note that, you know, that this climate change is not a hoax, as a lot of them have, have a lot of people have said. And um, this this is for real. And it is causing changes that none of us have ever seen before. And I just pray that all of the people who have been affected by the storms due to climate change recover quickly. All right. Here's a a new segment in my show. It's called Did You Know? Did you all know that one of our fabulous Olympian, you know, the five Olympian gymnasts, Gabby Douglas, has been hospitalized? Well, it's been reported on page six. And August 28, 2016, that Olympian Gabby Douglas was hospitalized over the weekend for an infection stemming from a past mouth injury. She's, they say that Gabby is back in the hospital tonight. That was August 28th, being treated for a seriously infected past mouth injury. Her rep told page six on Sunday night. 
Now, they say that she continues to have deep swelling and adverse reactions to medications. Now, reaching out to her fans earlier on Sunday, uh, Gabby said she was out of the hospital and resting comfortably. So sad that she couldn't uh, be with them to present tonight. And that's what she said on Instagram, you know, because uh, there was a, a big award show this weekend and she was slated to be there with the other four uh, young ladies. But Douglas Rep later confirmed that the athlete had to return to the hospital after the social media post. Now, it says that the 20 year old gymnast pals, Ollie, Madison, Lori and Simone, all attended the award show and publicly wished Douglas well wishes during her time on the stage, during their time on the stage. Well, here comes the butt. It also reported yesterday, August 31st on Extra Online, that the Olympic gold gymnast explained what happened via Instagram. So this will take all of the wonderment out, you know, of the media world. She says, hi, guys, I just wanted to let you know that I'm doing okay. I had a complication from a prior injury that caused a cyst to grow on a bone in my mouth. She says she got it removed. She's feeling much better and she's thanking everyone for their concern and prayers and huge thank you to the doctors that took care of her for the last four days. And I certainly wish her a speedy recovery. All right. Also, NPR reported on their um, on their um, online yesterday as well that mental health in schools, a hidden crisis affecting millions of students. I'm like, are you serious? We got an upsurge of mental health issues with our students in school. I mean, do they not have enough to, to deal with? So the, this is titled Mental Health in Schools, a Hidden Crisis Affecting Millions, it says, of Students. All right. And it says, you might recall it a silent epidemic. Up to one in five kids living in the U.S. shows signs of Symptoms of a mental health disorder in a given year. So in a school classroom with 25 students, you all, five of them may be struggling with the same issues many adults struggle with, which are depression, anxiety, and substance abuse. And yet most children, nearly 80%, who need mental health services won't get them. This is what the article is saying. That is really astounding. Whether treated or not, the children do go to school and the problems they face can tie into major problems found in schools, chronic absence, low achievement, disruptive behavior, and just dropping out. Okay. Now, experts say schools could play a role in identifying students with problems and helping them succeed. Yet it's a role many schools are not prepared for. Okay. Educators, they say, face the simple fact that often because of a lack of resources, there just aren't enough people to tackle the job. And the ones who are working on it are often drowning in huge caseloads. Kids indeed can fall through the cracks. Don't we have enough of our kids falling through the cracks just because um, a lot of children here in this country don't have the necessary um, tools such as books a lot of the good um, teachers that were um, in the um, field of academics have left and things like this. So, you know, I want to say this, you know, well, Reginald Campbell, who is the mental specialist in this field, and he's often on my show, he's not on my show today. And um, um, 
you know, this is a field that, that I would like to have, you know, listen to what his comment, you know, is on this report. But here is what I'm going to say. I'm saying that it is a shame that our kids are not getting the help and or assistance that is needed. As the report stated that nearly 80 percent of children with mental health issues do not receive services. And yet these children still go to school unprepared. I have several questions regarding this. Number one, why aren't the schools employing more than just counselors to assist these children? They know that this is a problem. So why aren't they addressing it? Is it finances? Is it the lack of experts? Who knows? Why are teachers not reporting children's behavior that are that are more than a bit out of the ordinary? Let's say, and more importantly, why aren't the parents taking note of what is going on with their children and seeking help for them? Okay, that's all I'm going to say about that. All right, it's shout out time. I'm just blown away regarding this young lady. She is nine years old from L- she's from L.A. And her name is Chloe. And get this. Her charity's name is Chloe Cares, K-A-R-E-S. Now, this is being reported by the Huffington Post. She has distributed so far over 300 sewn bags. That, that she has employed her mom and her grandmom to sew. And she says that, you know, she, she didn't want to do plastic bags because the plastic bags would tear and rip. Now, what are these bags for? These bags are for the women that are living on the streets in the, in, in the LA area, the homeless women. And she was asking her mom one day, how did they get there? You know, like I have said before, it's very interesting that everybody has a story. Now, in these bags, she distributes things such as feminine products, washcloths, hand sanitizers, toothbrushes, and more. Her mom and grandmother says she wants to give back and help people. And she's so, and they were so inspired by her actions and her love for these women that now they have been inspired to to come up with something that also will help the community. I think that is a great story. Okay, let's bring on my guest. His name is Brian William Keeves. He is a returning guest on my show, you guys. He is a global technology and implementation expert in the world of computers with 30 years plus of experience in this field. He continues to maintain a great deal of enthusiasm for assisting his clients with the implementation issues, as well as other important specifics relating to making assurances that their computing environments are operating to its best efficiencies on a daily basis. Good morning, Brian. How are you today? Good morning. Thank you. I'm good. Glad. Thanks for being on my show. Uh, you're very welcome. Uh, it's always enjoyable. All right. Okay. Let's talk a bit about professional uh, mediation. And um, I have to make sure that I, I keep my time in, in, in step, you know, because we're going to be taking um, a, a break here in about a few minutes. But the first thing that I want to talk about 
is um the HOA in the HOA world. Now there's a there's some movement guys going on regarding the HOAs and I'm going to tell you why. Because the um the homeowners are, you know, now complaining, they're stressing out that you know that dealing with the HOAs it's just not and you know it it's just not a good thing. You know, they're they're having they're having some issues. Um, for example, let me give you an example, and then maybe perhaps some of you guys can relate to this. Um, let's say that a homeowner falls behind in their assessments. Let's say, and I've talked about this before, that, and let's say that their assessments are, I don't know, $160, um, a month. All right. And, um, now there's reasons for the fallback on their assessment, Brian. Like, you know, so they want to call and talk to someone at the HOA, you know, a rep, and um, they call and they call and they call. And more oftentimes than not, you all, no one picks up the phone. And if they do have the capability to leave a message, um, no one calls them back. Okay. So now having said all of this, Brian, as all of this is happening, they're trying to reach out to someone to tell them what's going on. And in a lot of examples, um, um, you know, the husband and wife is working and let's say that, that the wife or the husband, um, lost their job or they become ill or whatever and they want to explain their, their, their issue. Well, here's the sad thing, you all. Months and months can go by before anybody even, you know, talks to them. You know, about this, Brian. And so in the meantime, in between time, the, you know, the assessments and then tacked on fees such as interest and lawyer fees. Um, you know, uh, let's say that the original bill is $450. And now within a couple of months, the bill has now creeped up to $1,900. You understand what I'm saying, Brian? So. The, 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 indi- the individuals are now looking for another method, um, that can definitely be employed where it can, you know, be more feasible, where it could be more timely and more cost effective as what well, in my experience, cause I do hear these cases and I do mediate these cases. These individuals do want to pay their assessments. They just, um, you know, fall, fell on some, you know, little, hard time or something like that. And, um, they want to, they want to rectify the issue. So, you know, the, the thing that that's being discussed, Brian, is that employing mediation and the thing about it, the, the stoppage about it, um, Brian, is that a lot of the HOA management companies don't want to do this as they say, here, here's their, here's their number one reason that the lawyers say, Oh, that, you know, when they come to an HOA um, uh, meeting uh, involving an instance such as I just described, that it takes too long. What do you think about that? Yeah, I was just thinking that, you know, this is tying back to the lawyers. And, and this is um, something we've discussed previously, that the, 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 the HOAs have these tie, seem to have these tie-ins to these lawyers. And I'm not, I don't want to accuse anyone of anything, but I think there's some kind of, you know, either favoritism or, or kickbacks involved because the lawyers get to charge a lot of money, every letter they produce to the homeowners. 
Um, and then something you've told me about, which is just amazing to me, they'll run, you know, multiple skip traces on the, on the homeowners. All they got to do is pick up the phone, go knock on the door, but they're going to run these skip traces and charge a, a huge amount of money. So what happens is <clears throat> all their, it's not just the money they owe, it's all these fees that get tacked on and fines mm-hmm. and everything else. And then the bills get to be huge. And then, of course, the HOAs have so much power, um, especially here in Arizona, they can put liens on properties and actually force uh, sales of properties just to pay off their quote-unquote bill, which has been mm-hmm. stacked up with all these fees and everything else. And on <clears throat> that's a shame. And this is definitely where something where, where mediation employed early on in the process would mm-hmm. be so much more beneficial. I mean, you've got, you've essentially got a classic mediation um, opportunity, right? You've got two parties that are at loggerheads that can't agree. <clears throat> um, and instead of going to a lawyer and, or lawyers <laughs> and starting suing each other and all that, you could just cut through this, just get someone to facilitate that discussion on how to mutually resolve it. But they're not, the, the HOAs are seeing a very, are, 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 I, I think have a financial vested interest in not resolving. I think they, they have seen that they can make a lot of money on these fees and these fines. And, um, to be frank, um, I, I think there's a lot of malfeasance going on out there, especially in this, some of these yeah. smaller HOAs. Yeah. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Not to cut you off, but, you know, I need to take a break right now and we're going to come back and discuss this topic. So you guys get up and stretch, get your coffee and tea and come back with me. Hi, listeners. This is Teresa E. Keeves, and I want to talk to you about bullying. Do you know that bullying is still a constant negative in our society? Not only for children in grammar schools and high schools, but also in our colleges, university, and workplaces. I want you to know that professional mediation is a great method for resolving issues regarding bullying. It also allows party members to engage in a much-needed conversation to clarify what the issues are and to resolve them without the involvement of law enforcement and in relation to our children, the possibility of school suspension. Need more information? Please give me a call at 623-594-5657 or visit my website at www.tekmediations.com. Now it's time to put it all on the table through mediation. Here's your host, Teresa E. Keeves. Thank you for returning with me and my guest, Brian W. Keeves. He is my guest for today. And uh, the topic of our show um, uh, today for uh, my listeners is hot topics in the world of mediation and our political arena. Before we took break, we were discussing um, mediation um, uh, as in relation to um, the HOAs as this is beginning to really start being an an issue with the homeowners uh, regarding um, HOAs and um, uh, before we took break, also, uh, my guest was uh, stating that, you know, he thinks that there could possibly be some type of tie in and 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 uh, uh, with the lawyers and, and the HOAs. Uh, that's a that's a possibility. There is no um, 
you know, be proof of that, I want to say, but I just want to say, um, that, you know, there, that this, um, you know, what's going on with the HOAs, it is making, um, an additional hardship and stress for the homeowners, Brian, that this is, um, because actually when you, when it all boils down to it, this is who it really is about. It's about the homeowner. And, um, and I, as I've had, had in discussions with individuals, that the, these HOAs, you know, try, you know, seems like in a lot of instances, um, because I've had, I have dealt with, uh, HOA management companies and, you know, we have worked beautifully together and worked beautifully together, um, in, in resolving, um, issues, uh, that, that, you know, with the homeowner and, and their, and their management company. But the thing is, more often than not, it doesn't turn out that way. And that's what's causing, a big angst for the homeowners in these in these uh, managements, uh, HOA management affiliations, and um, so you know, as I said, it'll start out nineteen hundred dollars, and then the lawyers' fees is eight hundred dollars an hour, and the skip trade reports that they've done four or five of them, it's two hundred and fifty dollars an hour, and yet they can't get any real discussion out of these management companies. And what I'm being told by the uh, from the um, um, uh, uh, homeowners and even from lawyers that a lot of the HOA management um, companies um, need to uh, be, you know, they need to have some training, particularly in how to speak with people. You know what I'm saying, Brian? That's a lot of what what that I'm hearing because they act like in my in my description, like they're the IRS, which, you know, in my opinion, that is a department, governmental department that definitely needs to either go away or be overhauled. Okay. Um, you know, they want to act like they have this reach that, that they have. And that's ridiculous. And I explained to them that these people worked hard. They saved their money. They sacrificed or whatever to buy these homes. And then for $5,000 or less, you can put them out of their home. I think that's totally ridiculous. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's my point, um, in that, you know, they're not, I, I, that's why I think there's a financial tie-in and, and they feel that there's a financial advantage. And you're right, there's, it's about the homeowners. I mean, you're forgetting the homeownership is, is one of our, um, basic tenants in this, in this country, right? And homeownership is, is plummeting. Um, since mm-hmm. the, I just heard on NPR that since, the um, the the 2008 um, issues with the subprime crisis that home ownership dropped from over 70 percent down to below or in the 62 percent range, which is uh, about it where it was in the 1960s. So mm-hmm. definitely going in the wrong direction, and anything that um, takes us in the wrong direction like that should be looked at. It's definitely something that should be worked on because it, mm-hmm. it, we need to be promoting home ownership, getting people who are qualified and able to purchase a home and let them do that and keep them in it instead of doing, instead of having these draconian laws really and, and powers given, given to organizations that are not official, that are, that are sometimes just a person who you know is, is the is the HOA president in a community <clears throat> that doesn't even understand the law, and then they're doing all this. They go to lawyers because they and not trying to understand it, you know. Right. And they go they go know. to the lawyer 
mm-hmm. to to make it happen, and then it just gets all out of hand. Yeah, and they believe that they they instead of you driving the lawyer and telling them what it is that you want done, they allow that they allow the lawyer to drive them and tell them, you know, oh well, just call the lawyer and let them let them do it. But you know what, you know, um, but what I want to say in in finalizing this this part. Of the discussion is that yesterday it was reported on NBC that um, 1.3% is what was being reported. This is kind of in connection with what you just said on the report that you heard on NPR, that 1.3%, there has been a rise in buying homes last month, you know, that it rose by 1.3%. So that, that, that may seem, you know, like at least people are buying homes, but it's on a very, very low scale. You know, and yeah. and also and also I want to end this by saying that when I, you know, I talk to a lot of people, a lot of people talk to me and, um, you know, they'll say, you know, Teresa, you know, yeah, I am looking for a home. And I'm like, that's great, but I don't want an HOA. I think you guys should know that I don't want an HOA. OK. Yeah. All right. Can we add yes. One thing? Um, yeah, um, NPR reported that same stat, but they also added that. The, the, the increase in, in home purchases do not make up for just the birth rate. So it, it, overall, we're, we're steadily having a percentage decrease based on population still. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, but, but I'm just saying that I want my uh, audience to know that home ownership is still affluent, that they, that home, that people are purchasing homes regardless of, you know, this, this, um, thing, you know, dealing with the, the HOAs. But um, what I'm saying is that I think that it would be even more affluent if they didn't have to, you know, deal with, you know, uh, there's a number of things and, and one of them in that number of things is HOAs. Okay. Yes. Yeah, All right. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Okay. So now let's move on. Let's talk about in the wake of the surge of arguments. Okay. That is seemingly from the manner of how, you know, a good number of people today, they seem to think that that this is how they converse with people, which is somewhat, you know, apropos to the to what we just talked about a few moments ago. Now, rather than talk in a communicative style that is not offensive, one that is respectful and polite, people do not take the time to think about what they say or should say. This is something that I've discussed on my show before. They just say it and they cover it by saying that, they tell it like it is. Well, are they really or are they venting, you know, deep seated anger issues? OK, for example, or are they one of the unfortunates who think that saying whatever comes to mind is appropriate nowadays, even though some kind of repercussions can take place because of it? Now, the reason I, I'm saying this, um, I'm moving on kind of quickly here because we have a lot to talk about, um, um, you know, is because. Um, there are repercussions from it, you know, and I think that a lot of this, um, you know, telling it like it is and things like that has been spurred up because of the due to the presidential campaign atmosphere that or, or however you want to describe it, that we're in right now. And um, a lot of this falls over to into a lot of things such as, you know, in mediation and or in court, because I have even taken note. Um, in the last, let's say, um, in the last, let's say, year and a half, uh, two years of the different uh, flavor of temperament of the litigants and or disputants that, you know, that I hear. 
that the that the argumentative level has been I have not done any test or research you all, but this is just from my um my no my own notation is that the flavor of individuals, how they talk and speak and and things like this, you know, and even the disrespect of coming into the courtroom with their hats on, for example, and I have to tell them remove their hat which they used to be, let's say, three, four years ago, were very cognizant of that. You understand what I'm saying, Brian? Absolutely. I mean, I've I've been there. I've seen it. (laughs) Yeah. You know, so it's just that I think that because of, um, you know, of the the flavor of, um, you know, of of how the world, unfortunately, you know, is, is right now, that a lot of people think that, yeah, this is this is okay. This is how we're supposed to, you know, talk to one another, and it's not. You know, it's it's. Um, I just think that it's a very sad state of affairs that our world is, um, you know, going in. You know, any yeah. thoughts on that, Brian? What do you think? Yeah, I was just I was just thinking about this yesterday. It's funny you mentioned that because what I'm seeing is people think that it's okay to lie, it's okay to steal, it's okay to cheat, it's okay to just sue people for nothing, you know, to blame Mm -hmm. people for nothing, and just start the, you know, it's like this whole psychology of, you know, Twitter wars or whatever kind of wars. It's like, that. that, it just seems like this is okay behavior now. Uh, Mm -hmm. When, if you went back and, you know, pick any number of years, I would say people would have been um, much more reticent <laughs> to mm-hmm. employ some of these things. But I was just thinking about that yesterday, that people are just willing to do whatever, and they think it's okay. They think it's not a problem. You know, there's nothing nothing other than, you know, a crime and getting prosecuted and maybe getting in jail. Mm-hmm. Everything, else is, is, everything else is open game. And yeah, so you have you have a, a you have a, like a breakdown of the social fabric, and mm-hmm. I know people in the past have said that about probably every generation coming up and all that, but I do see that too. It, it's it's yeah. it, you, you have a lot of animosity, a lot of what you know anger, and the politicians are trying to tap into that anger. They always talk, talk about people ang- being angry. And, mm-hmm. and they just let it, they just let it out. It's a, it's a constant thing. Uh, yeah, well, you know, uh, yeah, not, yeah, not to interrupt, you know, a lot of people, um, I, I want to say this and so that we can move on. A lot of people don't even know why they're angry. You know, as I said, if, if, um, uh, Reginald Campbell was here, he could, he could, um, really, you know, say, say some things about that because uh, that's his field mental. But as I'm saying, there's a lot of people who don't even, you know, realize why they're angry. Some people don't even know that they're acting this way. They're just acting this way because that's how everybody else is. You see what I'm saying? Exactly. Yeah, that, that's, that's how, that, that's how everybody else is. And, um, so, um, the, you know, this is, um, this is how I'm going to do because I want to be like, like they used to say in like Flint. And, and when we were, and when we were coming up, uh, we were always told this one thing, mind your manners before we left out the door, mind your manners, you know, and we already knew what that, that, those few words meant. Okay. That, that's a whole nother discussion. Okay. Now, now, Brian, yeah. I want to move on 
to our um political um uh, onto the political world okay and um you know it, it, you know there's so much going on in the in the political world you know like uh Trump went to Mexico to speak with the president of Mexico Enrique Pinto Nieto to uh supposedly have a quiet discussion with the president of Mexico about his concerns and you know which is building the wall you're going to pay for it you know the 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 uh nasty despairing things that he said about the Mexican people and what he is going to do to alleviate the issues that he says he has with Mexico, not to mention the 11 million undocumented people here, supposedly from Mexico. Now, as of yesterday, the citizens of Mexico, they did not want Trump to visit uh, the country. Brian, I'm sure that you know that because you're an avid listener to what's going on. And neither did they underst- understand why he invited him there, considering how he feels about the Mexican population, in addition to the president of Mexico having low ratings with the people there. Now, the Mexican people were protesting. Regardless of what the media said, they were protesting upon Donald Trump's arrival, as this is a person who speaks out of both sides of his mouth. He is inconsistent, very wavering. And uh, when he made his speech in AZ last night, he said all of the nasty, distasteful things that he had been saying all along to his, I called them peeps uh, last evening. Um, but, you know, he he didn't say that as he was standing at the podium um with uh, the president um, of Mexico, the uh, former president of Mexico, Vicente Fox, um, said that, you know, a fish dies by his own mouth and that they did not want um, uh, uh, Trump to visit um, their their countries. What is what are your comments on this, Brian? Well, I love that that, that statement about the fish dies by its own mouth. But it's funny. Trump continues to hang himself and not die. It's, it's, you know, it, it, I, I go back to, to Dean when he was running for president and mm-hmm. got a, you know, this clip of him having this, this outburst of joy <laughs> in his words, where he had let out this scream and played it over and over and over and over again. And it literally killed his presidency. Now mm-hmm. Trump is spewing out the most, Vicious hatred and vitriol, and they talked mm-hmm. about it, but he's not gone. <laughs> and it, mm-hmm. it just floors me that that he he does that. And like you said, he came back to Phoenix after his visit to Mexico, and <laughs> just just said all the reverse, right? And was mm-hmm. very you know playing up to his base. And and <clears throat> if you can. If you if you let me, I'm like I, I'm very disturbed about this trend that you know, especially the politicians, they're picking uh-huh. on groups of people to blame for the real or imagined woes of their face. Right? They take their base, uh-huh. and you know these angry white men that support Trump, and give them something, someone to blame. And mm-hmm. it's disturbing because it harkens back to me to pre-World War II fascists. They used the mob psychology, right, to get into power, and they blamed groups and then went after them. And you know what we're talking about. Exactly. Um, you know, and <clears throat> to me, it is something with – hold on a second. Sorry, being dry here in Arizona, I have to take a drink of water. Um <laughs> 
we seem to be forgetting the lessons of that war and the aftermath. I mean, the huge consequences of that, those, the, of doing that. And I see Trump as literally trying to stoke those same fires, trying to make an issue to solve, trying to blame someone else, blaming other people. And, mm-hmm. you know, the rhetoric comes right back in terms of violence towards people, um, mm-hmm. violence towards minorities, towards um, uh, Muslims, towards Mexicans. Mm-hmm. Well, they're a minority, too, but you know what I mean. And mm-hmm. that's a disturbing trend because it, it also yeah. ends up this thing of what you talked about before. People are willing to do anything and say anything because mm-hmm. they think nothing mm-hmm. will, will, no one will, will hold them accountable. Yeah, because they want to be, they want to be in, they want to be in with the game. And, and to me, that, that makes me think that, uh, when individuals, these individuals were coming up, let's say not all of them, but, but segmenting, um, let, let's say one thing that was not put in them, that they were not what, uh, we used to call very well grounded, that they were, you know, the good stuff was not talked to them and put into them as they were growing to be, to become hopefully viable and intelligent hum, human beings. Now, um, um, now the thing I want to go on to is that I want to ask some questions, um, because this is, you know, this, as I said, the acceptance of this kind of behavior is, is just astounding to me. But I, I want to ask you, um, a, a question, Brian. I want to ask you, is the concern regarding crime and terrorism a valid reason for people to lump all immigrants, legal and illegal, and refugees into the same bucket? Uh, Absolutely not. You know, this is exactly the kind of thing I was just talking about, right? That, Mm -hmm. you know, you have people blaming a whole class of people and um, using that to try to get elected. I mean, if you look at the ads, at the ads during this political season, total lies talking about how, you know, illegal immigrants are using Social Security, <laughs> are on Social Security, for example, the one that comes to mind for local yeah. ads that plays over and over and over again. The vast number of immigrants and refugees, and I will even say illegal immigrants, Okay, because there's plenty of evidence to show this. They pay taxes and they use much less public assistance than what we would call U.S. citizens, right? Plus, guess what? They're willing to do the work that a lot of us in this country are not willing to do. Yes. Mm-hmm. And we're not absolutely. And we're not just talking about low-paying jobs. I mean, we go out and recruit, actively recruit doctors and technical workers from all over the world to come to the United States. We go out and find talented people to, to come to the United States and have them go to medical school or go to college here and try to keep them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. for that. And I'll tell you, I got a couple of stats for you. Um, the, the a recent report from the National Association of Home Builders reports that the number of open construction sector jobs increased to 207,000 in December. Okay, mm-hmm. that's, in December, 
there were 207,000 jobs open for construction workers that were not getting filled. Okay, mm-hmm. so you have all these people talking about they're taking our jobs. Okay, well, there is a job. Go do it. And why? Why is this happening? Because, well, and, and in manufacturing, I'll, I'll tell you, there's a report from SFGate, an estimated uh-huh. 2 million, two million U.S. manufacturing jobs will go unfilled over the next decade because workers lack the skills to fill those positions. Exactly. And, 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 and not, and, and, and not to interrupt you, I just want to, you know, kind of throw in a point. I want you to finish, not to interrupt you. Um, um, you know, as I said, I'm trying to get everything in, 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 in the time that I got, but this is something that, that Trump talks about manufacturing jobs. Manufacturing jobs are not like it was, uh, when his father was, uh, you know, coming up in the, in the, you know, the early 1900s, okay? Uh, where you're standing there and you're screwing up, a peg into a hole, you know, that's, that's not manufacturing jobs anymore. Manufacturing jobs, and I've talked about this on my show, you know, is it, it, it involves a computerized, uh, technological savvy environment. Okay. And you cannot just come in with a high school diploma or not and or, and just sit in front of a, a multi-billion dollar Cray computer, let's say, and then, and then run it. You need to go and be educated for that, and they are not doing that here in this country. I just want to say that. So go ahead. <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. And, you know, there, that's, that's the kind of thing we need immigrants, right? Okay, so, you know, there are – there's this, this um, trend happening in, in a lot of developing countries where we're aging, um, even in China. They have this problem where they don't have enough workforce of young workers to fund all the social programs, right? So mm-hmm. in this country, it's Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, all those things. We don't have enough people filling these jobs to pay taxes to pay for all this stuff. So our, mm-hmm. our, our, our population is aging. We have over 5 million jobs unfilled in this country across the board. If you look at the total number and we have this and we have um, people in the workforce, they always talk about this five about five percent of the workforce that's unemployed. Well the problem is they don't have the training or desire to fill those jobs. So mm-hmm. who's going to fill those jobs? Well exactly smart and a funny thing like like Germany had this big shift, right? They used to actively go out and bring immigrants in because of this exact requirement. They need people coming in to do the work, to pay the taxes, to, to, to keep this cycle and system running, and they literally don't have enough workforce either. And so they were actively bringing in immigrants until mm-hmm. the recent um, issues around you know, and this is a different subject around uh, terrorism and a lot of the distrust being placed that's shutting down this immigration. There are a lot of great, talented refugees out there. Absolutely. We, we can yes, they are. To fill these positions mm-hmm. and with minimal training, with like some English language training, perhaps, mm-hmm. you know, 
and they can get up and running very quickly. But, you know, we are pushing people away now, and we can't get things done. We've got fruit sitting on the ground in fields and vegetables not getting picked. Yeah, right here. Yeah, absolutely right. right you know, in, right, right in here Arizona. in, in, um, yeah, right here in this state. Um, yeah. the, the farmers in up in the varying areas are having an issue, um, finding individuals to, um, you know, to, um, um, you know, uh, you know, pick their, pick their fruit and, and, uh, vegetables and things like this, you know. But once again, as you said, here's this complaint about, you know, well, they're taking our jobs. And we know, we basically know that the driver of that is racism. We, we, we know this. So, um, and, and yeah, and that's, and then just say it like it is, you know, that's a bad thing. Now I'm running, you know, I, I have uh, one more question that I want to, you know, want to, want to ask you because I, you know, I'm running, you know, time is running here. Um, how is it that anti-immigration sediment showing up? How is it showing up in developed countries? You know, how is well, anti-immigration sediment showing up in developed countries, Brian? Yeah, it definitely ties in with what you just said, right? Racism. And and all of this other, these other factors of, you know, you have these politicians and people trying to get into power, so they're using the mob mentality to, you know, to enhance distrust of other people, right? And mm-hmm. I look at, at Brexit and the Trump campaign as, Perfect examples to, to demonstrate that, right? So they have, they have latched on to that anti-immigrant sentiment, and <clears throat> they use the fact that, yes, there's terrorism out there, and there have been terrorist incidents in their countries. Um, no one mentions that the statistics of, you know, getting killed or injured by a terrorist event is, infinitesimal compared to just driving down the street <laughs> in your car. Mm-hmm. But they tie into that and they soak it. And so they're blaming immigrants as the root of the issue instead of what's the real root of the issue. Why is terrorism there? How did it develop? And how do you actually get rid of terrorism on the ground? Mm-hmm. Instead, <clears throat> they come back and they say, oh, I'm going to point to this group of people and say that is the problem. And, you know, this is becoming a common tactic lately. I mean, it, it used to be. Yeah. It, Go ahead. Yeah. The, the thing the thing is, is that, you know, I'm trying to get everything in here. The thing is, is that, you know, in, in piggybacking on what you're saying, you know, as, as they say, you point one finger at someone else, you know, you got four pointing back at you. Um, it is, is that, you know, what about the, the, the high crime and things that's, that's in this country that are not done by who, uh, Trump is saying possibly, um, uh, 11 million, um, of, of the, um, uh, you know, undocumented, supposedly Mexican, um, people that that are here, you you understand what I'm saying? Um, be, because yeah, because you know it's 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 like a blame game, you know, and yeah. and um and and people get tired of that, and then and oftentimes you know they get tired of being blamed, calling names, and so then you know a lot of them, um, you know, will form groups, you know, themselves that will retaliate, you know, and uh, that's how a lot of these things you know become born um in this yep. world. 
you know, be, yep. you know, because of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, so the Karl Rove playbook for getting elected in this country is create an issue, right? You don't get elected saying everything is rosy. So, you mm-hmm. know, George Bush created a recession to get elected. Mm-hmm. You know, Trump is creating an issue on, on immigration and he's tying into a racist sentiment that is out there in the, in the base and concerns over terrorism. And he, he's trying to do that to get elected. And, you know, that yeah. ties into that, that playbook totally. And it's so obvious, but people, the, you know, individuals, someone I heard recently, I can't remember who, who, uh, who I can attribute the quote to, but they said that individuals are smart, but the mob is stupid. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. They, exactly. <laughs> You know, when you get a you get a bunch of people together, they act stupid, contrary to their own self-interest. And exactly, it, it's apparent because I can't tell you how many interviews I saw of people when they're they're you know at the Trump campaign um, um, convention or and or Brexit, like they're interviewing people and people saying we don't want those people. In our country. In our, in our country. Yeah, right, right, right on, yeah, right on yeah. television, you know, that this is, this is yeah. what is being said. And, yeah. uh, and, and, uh, the thing about, you know, what I'm getting ready to say that we have, you know, that we are, you know, uh, you know, running out of time here. And, uh, but I, I feel that this is a very interesting conversation. I, I think that we need to continue this conversation. Um, you know, time just goes by so fast and I thank you. Uh, Brian Keyes, uh, for being on my show. And, uh, I truly, um, appreciated your comments, um, and, um, uh, you know, about this, uh, you know, this topic of my show, uh, today. And, um, and, um, I just, you know, want to tell people, you know, out there that, um, that, you know, we just need to be, be careful and watch the things that we say, the things that we do and how we treat, um, one another. You know, um, I had something that I wanted to read, but because of time, I'll have to do that on another show and I will do it on another show. Now, speaking of another show, I will be back on the 22nd of September. That's when I'm going to air again at seven o'clock Mountain Standard Time. OK, and I hope that you all enjoyed this conversation. I hope that you got something out of this conversation. You can always um, go to my website, www.tekmediations.com. If you have any comments or 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 um, uh, or questions uh, regarding my this topic or any other topics or anything that you would like to uh, a question you'd like to pose to uh, my guest. OK, well, thank you for tuning in. I want you to have a great day. Be safe. Be kind to one another. This is Teresa E. Keys.